Hey everybody, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Decatur City Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, we would love it if you would take just a moment to download the Decatur City Church app where you can find access to all of our recent message content. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. But most importantly, I hope you enjoy the following presentation and I hope it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Do you remember the moment? Do you remember the moment uh, when you first realized that this COVID-19 thing was serious? Do you, re- do you remember that moment? Some of us, you, you could take yourself back to that place. Uh, some of us are going to enjoy this. Maybe a dozen of us, the rest of us, you can endure it for a minute. It'll be meaning for all of us in, in just a few minutes. But I just want to take you back for just a second. For me, it was on a Wednesday. Uh, at a Wednesday, I had this moment, I was at home, and I know it was a Wednesday because we had small group at our, at our previous church before we moved here. Uh, we had small group uh, at our home every Wednesday night. And that meant we have four kids. That meant on Wednesday after dinner, my job was to go through and clean up the entire disaster in our house so that nobody knew the disaster that we lived in at home. And they walked into our beautiful house on Wednesday evenings. And so I'm cleaning up at home and there's an NBA basketball game on. And at halftime of the game, they announced that they're suspending the game. As a matter of fact, the announcer said that they're suspending the entire NBA season. And I thought, that, that can't be. And so I opened up my app on my, my phone, my, my ESPN app, and I realized not only that, um, but they were, they were canceling March Madness, which was unthinkable to me. And then this next one really caught my attention. I found out they postponed the Masters. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, okay, this is a thing. Like, this is going to affect my life, and this is going to affect our world. Uh, for some of you, it was when flights were canceled, and you couldn't travel for work, or you began working at home, or schools were closed, and your kids went online, started doing school digitally. Um, some of you, uh, it was uh, after that when your, your world started, your, your style, your social life began cramped by, by theaters closing down and restaurants uh, doing curbside only and you couldn't really go out and do anything. And when you went out to the stores, like the shelves were empty. You remember like you couldn't get toilet paper? Shame on those of you who were toilet paper hoarders in that season. May God have mercy on your soul. This was, this was like... This was like a really interesting thing that was going on. We learned new language, like sheltering in place and social distancing. Um, and it, this is the hard thing for me to believe is that that was just 20 months ago. Isn't that crazy? It was only 20 months ago that all of this began happening. I remember calling a meeting with my previous church team, our, our staff. I called them together. And I said, hey, listen, I, I'm not totally sure, but I think we may need to hold services online only for a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks. Isn't that so cute? Like I was like completely uh, you know, misunderstood and miscalculated the severity of this deal. And it was like we were then forced to deal with stay-at-home orders and, and mandatory shutdowns and mass requirements and contact tracing and quarantining. These are things that were like not part of our lives ever before. And as a society, in, in reality, I think this is the thing that, that gets, uh, doesn't get talked about as much. We didn't necessarily know how to cope with that. And so uh, we, we looked quickly for ways to escape. And one of the first places we looked was this right here. Anybody remember this? 
I mean, this was like a crazy phenomenon. And, and honestly, this is, I'm not a psychologist, but I think the psychology was, this is crazier this one, than what's happening in my real life. And so I can escape to this and realize like life's not that crazy. We escaped into things like that and Netflix in general, into fantasy world. Uh, TikTok dancing became a thing in most uh, households. Marco Polo. Like where, where that came from, where we started Marco Poloing versus battles. If you missed that, Timbaland introduced us to something that music could do when there was no concerts. It was, it was extraordinary. Um, I don't know if you know this, our internet usage in 2020, do you, do anybody, any guesses? 1.2 billion years worth of internet usage in the United States in one year. Our internet usage exploded. Another thing that exploded was athleisure wear. It's a new word. And we're all so grateful. I thought you would cheer for that because like athleisure wear, it's amazing. It's like, I don't have to wear real clothes anywhere. I can wear my pajamas everywhere with athleisure clothing. Did you know that prior to the pandemic, athleisure, the athleisure market was 80 billion. Um, that, that was the, the athleisure market. And in 2020, the athleisure market was $284 billion. I mean, this is our world with a lot of the things that, that, that we, we don't realize like just happen. Home gyms. We created home gyms, home offices, created all sorts of reno projects. We spent $420 billion on home reno projects in 2020. Now, a lot of this stuff you can find all over the place. It's well documented. Uh, there's lots of industries that began. Some of you, you, were, you pivoted with it. That was another word we, we learned was to pivot. You pivoted in your work or in, in your industry or you joined a new industry or you, some of you, you saw this coming. You jumped in, you were smart, you were ahead of things and you benefited from it. But the things that weren't well documented were the heavier things. Like, like this, like alcohol sales, it went up by 55%, 243% online. Opioid overdoses increased in 30 states. Domestic violence nationally increased by 15 to 20%. It varied state by state. Our mental health decreased in a, in a massive way. Anxiety and depression increased by 400% nationally. On top of that, the social and, and political uh, tensions in, in our nation multiplied this by ten, tenfold in many of our lives. As we collectively experience this social ache, did you know many sociologists, uh, as they're already looking, we're, we're really early into the 21st century, but they're looking at the, the greatest impacts on life and society in the 21st century. And, and obviously the pandemic is one of them, but, but many sociologists think that the pandemic will eclipse both 9-11 and the Great Recession in its impact on our society. Um, it, it, it's It's overwhelming. And week after week, here's the thing, we don't, we don't think about this that often, but week after week, we experience what I'll call the hangover effects of the pandemic. I have a friend whose child was, um, was exposed and they had to quarantine. And because of that, they couldn't go to school and, and, and they had to leave work. And I just remember in a moment of frustration, they were like, I'm so tired of COVID. And I thought, really just now? Like you're way behind. Like all the rest of us have been really tired of it for a really long time. Another person I heard say, um, my sponge is full. I was like, what do you mean by that? They're like, it, it just keeps coming. The effects of this keep coming and I can't absorb any more of it. Today, I want to talk for just a couple of minutes about one of the most dangerous things that I'll call a hangover effect of the pandemic. And it's this ache of isolation. 
I don't know that it's been given a name and I'm not sure that this is the best name, but there's this collective ache that we felt that it's a hangover from the, the physical isolation that we were forced into in that season. And much of what we've seen in the past 20 months is people being pushed beyond their emotional pain tolerance, leading them to cry out and act out and lash out and, and check out on life and check out on careers and check out on marriages and families. And many checked out on faith in this season. This global physical health crisis led also to a mental, emotional, and I'll even say a spiritual health crisis in our nation. And it's not something people are talking about very much. And the reason I think it happened is because we weren't designed for isolation. Now, there's this fascinating story. If you have a Bible, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John are the four gospels in Mark chapter one, near the end of the first chapter, uh, we're told a story, most likely given the information given to Mark, who was the author by Peter, who was one of Jesus's closest followers. And, and, and in Mark chapter one, there's this story, there's this encounter that Jesus had with a man that's eerily relevant to what we're experiencing in our society. And this guy was in such distress that he actually breaks a mandatory quarantine in his life. The context of this is, is Jesus has been healing a bunch of people. The first few verses we find out Jesus is healing people. People hear the word and they start to flock to Jesus. And a man with leprosy, which was a skin disease, leprosy, came and he knelt in front of Jesus. Now, for most of us, we, we don't think that's a big deal, but, but imagine someone you know is COVID-19 positive. You know they're COVID-19 positive. They come up to you and they kneel down right in front of you without a mask and they're coughing on you. Catching the, catching the picture now? This is sort of what's happening in this moment. Now, leprosy is an interesting thing because in, in the Bible, uh, and specifically in the first century, there was uh, a bunch was known about it, but, but there was a lot yet to be discovered. And, um, but th this was such a, a serious thing that years before, in fact, about 1400 years prior to that, um, in, in Leviticus, uh, there was two chapters that were written in the law to protect people. Now this, I just want you to think, this is extraordinary. This is before anything was known about microbes or germs or bacteria or viruses. We didn't know about any of that stuff sci uh, scientifically. There's over a hundred verses in Leviticus 13 and 14 describing how you protect yourself from this disease. In fact, in Leviticus 13, I'll just read a portion of it. It says, those who suffer from a serious skin disease, this it was referring to leprosy, they must tear their clothing and leave their hair uncombed. They must cover their mouth and call out unclean, unclean. This is, this is how they were to, to identify themselves as having leprosy. And as long as this serious disease lasts, they will be ceremonially unclean. This was uh, something that was a mark that was placed on people. And they must live in isolation in their place outside the camp. They were completely excluded from Jewish society. If we were to read on, this is just a little more interesting about, about leprosy. Do you know, um, it, it told specifically how far you could be away from other people. Like this was the law. If you got caught, you, this was actually punishable by stoning. If you were upwind from somebody, listen, literally, this is in, in, in the Bible. This is written 3,500 years ago, about 1,400 years before the time of Jesus. Uh, about 3,500 years ago, it said if you were upwind, you needed to stay 100 cubits from somebody, which is about 150 feet. 
If you're downwind, you need to stay about four cubits. You need to be four cubits because you're downwind. You're, you're not as likely to, catch, to, to um, spread this disease to other people. Did you know that four cubits, some of you are good with math, you're really, really fast. Four cubits is about six feet. How about that? Social distancing 3,500 years ago. See, something we thought was so new. This is extraordinary. God in his law tried to protect people. But in this society, people were relegated to be outside the community. Contact with this guy would render you unclean. It would cause you to be isolated, disconnected from society, void of human connection. And recklessly, this is back to Mark chapter one, recklessly, he just comes right up to Jesus and he kneels down in front of him. He doesn't identify himself as unclean. He disregards the proper social distancing etiquette, which again, legally, he could have been stoned for it. The the man, back to verse one of of, of Mark, uh, this man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging, begging to be healed. And this is what he said. He said, if you're willing, you can heal me and you can make me clean, he said. Now, a careful examination of what he's asking is not about him being healed from the disease. That's not his deepest pain. As a matter of fact, um, his deepest pain isn't physical. And we know this because uh, today, um, medically, we know that Hansen's disease is what we call this today. It's what we call leprosy. It's, it's sort of, it's not this rotting infection that most people thought leprosy was. People were deformed by numbness. They couldn't, they literally couldn't feel their limbs. And so they were, looked like deformed because it looked like the, the body was rotting, but that's not what was happening. They, their body's warning system was, was, was uh, disarmed and they couldn't, they couldn't feel things that were hot or things that were going to hurt them. And that wasn't his ultimate desire. In fact, it's been described as a painless hell. It, it doesn't actually have pain associated with it. His deepest desire was to be clean. He says, you can heal me and make me clean because in their society to be deemed as unclean was to be isolated was to be set away, was, was to be taken away from society. If we're honest, come on, come on. Some of us are going, okay, when, when is COVID gonna be gone? But getting over COVID isn't the ache. Recovering what was lost is the ache. Most people are going, are we gonna, when, when are things gonna return to normal? And then you have the other people that are the realists they're, and they're going, they're going, things are never going back to normal. Or we've heard terms like there's a new normal. Things are completely changing and there's an ache inside of us because something was stolen, something was taken away, something was removed, something was lost that we weren't ready to give up. And I don't know what that thing is for you. But in this guy's life, the idea of being unclean removed him from his family. And it didn't make him just unapproachable. It made him undesirable and unacceptable and unlovable. He, he, he's plagued by the ache of physical, mental, and emotional isolation. And he comes to Jesus, who he knows can heal him. And it's not the disease that he's worried about. It's wanting to be reconnected, wanting to regain what was lost. Look at Jesus' response. Jesus moved with compassion. 
Now, what you need to know in their society is, is, is when it came to sickness, people thought people deserved that. They thought maybe you sinned or at least you weren't being careful. And if you're honest, in, in, in this day and age when people got COVID, you're like, how did you get that? You weren't being careful. You're associating with the wrong people. You weren't social distancing. You didn't wear your mask. You, know, you, you weren't quarantining. Whatever it was, you, you, were, you, you suspected. And this was true of him as well. He was seen as a threat. And to go near him is... is is something that would be dangerous, but not for Jesus. He did something we all would have considered as unwise, unsafe. He risked exposure. Mark chapter one, verse 41 tells us that moved by with compassion, Jesus reached out and he touched him. I'm willing, he said, be healed. Now Jesus didn't have to touch him. He had healed plenty of other people without touching them by just naming it or telling them to go wash in the Jordan River. Plenty of times Jesus made no physical contact with somebody, but Jesus delighted in reaching out to people who were distressed and who were downcast. And I believe in this specific situation, Jesus wanted to show that there wasn't anything to fear, that he didn't fear sickness. He didn't fear death. And instantly, the leprosy, it disappeared and the man was healed. And now Jesus is telling him, look, you need to go straight to the, to the priest because in their society, the priest was the one that determined whether you were clean or unclean. He said, look, you need to go straight to the priest, tell the priest you need to pay this certain, you know, it's sort of like a tax, but you need to go pay the priest and then he'll declare you as clean. And, and, and we don't know why this did this, but in, the man did this, but instead, instead of going um, to, to do what Jesus said, it said that the man, uh, the next verse tells us the man went spreading the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. He wanted everybody to know what Jesus had done for him. Now, maybe he was just completely grateful or maybe he couldn't bear another moment being away from people and being isolated. Do you remember that moment when it was like, I don't have to be confined to my house anymore and I can have human contact and I can connect with people and yeah, I can do that through Zoom, but I can be with people now. This ache of isolation may have been the thing, him being disconnected from society was the ache that he was feeling that caused him to disregard what Jesus had instructed for him. Now, it's not the object condition of being separated from people. You know, there's two different things when it comes to isolation. There's the object condition of being isolated, but it's not really that. That's not really the issue. It's not even that somebody created a law. It's not even that somebody mandated this. It's the subjective feeling that's a result of our objective condition. It's that lack of authentic connection. It's the lack of knowing and being known. It's the lack of physical contact. You know what's interesting about this guy? I find this fascinating that we know his issue, but we don't know his name. We know what his issue is, and his issue in many ways has become his identity. His identity to others and even likely to himself was wrapped up in his sickness, his disease, in his issue, what was wrong with him. Isn't it true that our issues sometimes, our inadequacies, our insecurities, our belief that we're unacceptable or unwanted, they have a way of leading us to self-isolation. 
our, our issues, if I could put it this way, our issues are something that, we, that, that becomes so overwhelming that we identify with ourselves. We see other people maybe identify with us in small ways or in big ways. And those things change the way we see ourselves. And our, our issues influence our personal identity. And our identity the way we see ourselves causes us to isolate ourselves. Not always physically, but we isolate ourselves. We only let people see so much of what's going on. We only share so much of what's happening on the inside. And when we isolate ourselves, we find ourselves struggling and fighting and wrestling alone with our issues. If I can fix my issues, if I can get my issues cleaned up, that'll change who I am, that'll change my identity, and then I won't have to isolate. Problem is, it doesn't work for us. We, we have a hard time like fighting through that on our own, and it leads to loneliness, a feeling of powerlessness, sometimes uselessness and meaninglessness. Now, that, that didn't begin with the pandemic, But the effects of the pandemic have absolutely compounded it. And this social isolation has led to a spiritual isolation for a lot of people. There was a national study that was done um, uh, by the Barna Group. They they study churches, nonprofits, Christianity, uh, people's thoughts and reactions and perceptions of Christianity across the nation. One of the studies they did uh, in in thousands of churches, across thousands of churches, they discovered that 32% of church attenders disconnected during the pandemic. Like not just, hey, I didn't watch as much or I didn't show up at the building because most people didn't do that. It was like they completely unplugged and disconnected from their church during the pandemic. This social isolation led to a spiritual isolation and it caused people to check out, not just on church, but for a lot of people on faith. And whether you know it or not, there's a new crisis of faith that's happening, not just in our nation, but in our city, in our church. People wonder, why did this happen? How could this happen? Where was God in the midst of all that? That contributed. The isolation of people being away from and not being able to process with others, uh, learn with others, uh, uh, learn about how God's involved and maybe working in the midst of this with other people has caused people to check out. And here's the interesting thing is, this is one of the enemy's key strategies whether you know it or not, one of the enemy's key strategies to attacking your life and bringing calamity and bringing brokenness and bringing hurt into your life is to isolate you. He tried to do this with Jesus. He succeeded with David. You can, we could go on and on. You can see it over and over throughout the scriptures when people were isolated, they were tempted. And oftentimes their greatest regrets came from that, that season of isolations. Now, here's the thing. We can't let that happen. Now, this, is, this is why I'm talking about this today. Some of you are like, this is like a big downer. But, but this, is about, this is where we start to come up from this. Is because we can't let this happen. You can't let this happen. I can't let this happen. This is our responsibility. Here's what's happened in our society. We're no longer physically isolated. Yet many people are relationally and spiritually isolated. In ways they weren't before the pandemic. Maybe it's a combination of things that happened in the midst of the pandemic and the hurts and the habits and the hangups that developed during the pandemic um, 
or over the last 20 months as they were disconnected. Those are things the enemy is using to keep people in isolation. And here's the thing we came to recently as, as a staff. We came to this realization uh, first that we've got to be more urgent. We have, to, we have to be more intentional about reaching out. This is what Jesus did, right? To reaching out to those people who were isolated. And second, the second realization for us was that we couldn't do this without you. We need your help. Those of you who are connected, those of you who have reconnected, we can't do this alone. This isn't much, as much about attending the church as it is about being the church. And in this season, it's not my job. It's not the staff's job. Certainly God's placed us in a role to create leadership, but this is our job. This is our church. These are people, some that, that, that maybe uh, you know, decided to, to step out and they went and stepped into another church because we, were, we, we didn't meet uh, for a longer period of time than some other churches. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about trying to get those people back to be a part of our church. I'm not worried. I'm worried more about like the sheep who strayed off that Jesus talked about. Who's going to go after them? Who's going to reach out to them? Who's going to reach out to the people who used to sit by you? Who used to be in your group? Who used to serve next to you? Who you used to connect with on a regular basis? I, I was talking to one guy a couple of weeks ago, and he told me that he came back to church after we restarted, we regathered. And for two weeks, he sat in the same section that he used to sit in, where he saw all these people that he used to know, and he didn't see one person in the section that he knew. And I said, what did you do about that? He goes, I just felt like this is so hard. Like, it feels like it's starting over. I said, what do you think happened to those people? He goes, I don't know. I probably should reach out to them. I don't know any of those people. I think maybe you should. I think that's what Jesus would do. And that's what I think we need to do. I think this short window we have as a, as a church in this season, one of the most important things we can do is reach out to people who maybe have slipped out of our gathering. Now, there's several other churches with us today and at your church, um, your lead pastor is gonna come at this point to talk about how you can partner and specifically in your context, uh, how you're gonna partner together in reaching out to people. So um, thanks for being with us. They're gonna pick it up from here at this time. So Joel and I got together a couple of weeks ago and started talking about this content. And ever since we did, I've been so excited and kind of so looking forward to today because I think this is a really, really big deal. I think it's certainly relevant and I think it's really important. And I think for some reason, and this is probably my own arrogance, but I'll own that. I think for some reason, this concept and this idea has hit us harder as people who live in town and live in the city than maybe anywhere else. It just feels like so many other communities when I go there, like the isolation feels like it's like a distant uh, you know, memory and, and it's over, but yet it seems to just kind of keep lingering here for us and being an ongoing struggle. And so I'm just so excited to, to talk about this and kind of hit this head on. And I love what Joel said and I appreciate it. Like, I want to help you understand, like, this is not about getting people to attend the church. Yes, I am going to, in a minute, ask you to attend on a regular basis. Like if you haven't been attending, I think it's important. But this is so much bigger than getting people to attend the church. This is about us being the church. This is about us making it easy for people to reconnect here, to regather here, to re-engage here. Because from the very, very beginning, when we created this church, we said, what would it look like to create a spot in our community? What would it look like to create a faith community where anybody 
Everybody could belong, regardless of their story, regardless of their journey, regardless of what they're experiencing, regardless of what they're struggling with. How could we make it as easy as possible for people to connect here, to engage here, to gather here? And that's really what this is all about. We want to make it so easy for people to overcome this ache of isolation. I I appreciate so many of the, the stats that he threw up there and showed, and I think we all know the damaging effects of, of loneliness and isolation. But I, I came across this one earlier this week that just broke my heart. Like isolation and loneliness, did you know this? Like it's as dangerous as smoking up to 15 cigarettes a day. That's how lethal loneliness is and isolation is on our bodies, like on our physical bodies. It's that harmful to us. And so when I look at this, I'm like, hey, the church isn't at risk. Like one of the things I love about this community is almost every Sunday, somebody comes up to me, they're like, hey, is the, is the church okay? Like, I mean, because you look around, right? And there's not as many people as there once were in this room. There's still so many people on the other side of that camera that like, it's kind of easy to wonder, like, is the church okay? Like, yeah, we're fine. The church is okay. Like, we are okay, but people are not. And I feel like that is what we specialize in, is reaching out to people who are hurting, people who are broken, people who are lonely and saying, hey, you can be a part here. You can connect here. We're here for you. And you guys are all really smart people. You know this. Like, this is so much bigger than just attending because let's be honest, like, just attending a service, like, that's not going to change everything. That's not going to make all of this go away, like, overnight. But here's what I believe I believe the cumulative effect of re engaging here, re gathering here, reconnecting with people, understanding that you belong here and you fit here. I believe that's good for us. I believe it helps us kind of overcome this ache of isolation that we've been talking about. And so what we want to do here as a church is we just want to partner with you. We want to partner with you to make it as easy as possible for you to attend on a regular basis. If you've been hanging out online and you're just like, hey, I'm not there yet. I don't feel like it's safe or it's not safe for me. We, we totally understand. And this isn't, this isn't about judgment or anything like that. But so many of you, you've just You've chosen to disconnect. You've chosen to disengage. It's just easier not to. And if that's you, I want to I implore you. Like, in fact, if you consider me your pastor, I kind of want to beg you and push on you just a little bit. Like, come on back. Reconnect with us. Regather here because I really do think that this would be good for you. I think it would be good for us. And we, like, you belong here. We miss you here. So here's what we want to do. We want to make it so easy during the holiday season for people to connect. We've created a website. Like, you're not going to have to remember any of these things, but we want to make December as fun as possible. The website's decaturcity.org slash belong. Decaturcity.org slash belong. It's going to literally list out every single way that you can connect here throughout the holidays, and we want to make that as easy as possible. There's some great things coming up. First, if you know anything about our church, you know that, like, Christmas is just prime time for us. Like every Sunday, can't miss Sunday. So much fun. If you miss, you're going to see something online and you're going to go, gosh, I wish I was there. Like I wish I had been there. So just don't like let yourself experience that. Just be here. You're going to love it. I promise you so much Christmas music. The building's going to be fully decorated. It's going to be filled with life and so much fun. We would love for you to join us. There's some great, great things that are happening outside of that. The very first Saturday of December, Saturday, December 4th, 
right here in this room, we're going to host an event that we call Kid Stuff. It's kind of new to us. It's basically an, an event where um, preschoolers and children bring their parents to church with them. So we're going to have it right in here. Huge Christmas party, lots of fun. If you have a preschool or elementary age kid, you're going to want to be here for that. Um, and then one of the things I'm looking forward to the most as we kind of fast forward towards the end of the year, we're going to bring our Christmas Eve services back. And if you were with us a couple of years ago when we had our Christmas Eve service, you know how special that is. And we're going to start with a three o'clock and a five o'clock. Um, anybody elementary school and up can be in the room here with us. We'll have preschool childcare. And then we're going to do an RSVP system. And as many of you sign up, We'll just keep adding services. We're going to add as many services on Christmas Eve as we need to to make sure every single person in this community has the opportunity to celebrate Christmas uh, with us because it's that important and it's that much fun. All that's on our website. Lots of ways for you to connect here in person. You can connect online as well if you need to do that. But I really do. I want to encourage you. Like, be here for this. You're going to love this, and I think it's going to be good for you to kind of get back in that habit of connecting with people physically like here in the room. Now, Outside of things that we're offering for you to attend, we're also going to do something else throughout the month of December that I am so excited about. It's kind of new for us, but um, we're going to uh, put a devotional, a Christmas Advent journey up on our website, and all of our staff's going to participate in it. There's going to be online ways for you to connect. There's going to be chat rooms, different things for you to engage with, and I would love for every single one of you to sign up to be a part of this little Advent journey that we're going to do together. It's 25 days long. It'll take you about five, maybe 10 minutes a day. You can do it in the morning, the evening, kind of whatever is best for you, that you can get online, you can, you can talk about it, you can comment with people. I think it's a great way for us to create common language and for us to all experience something collectively together that's kind of bigger than us. It's not about attending or sitting in a room. It's all about something we can experience together and kind of reconnect uh, spiritually around this idea of Christmas and how important it is. And then the last thing I'll throw out your way that I think is so important I know in December, a lot of us kind of start looking towards next year, kind of start thinking about like, hey, what, what do I want my life to look like next year? What are the things I want to be a part of? Uh, and if that's you, that's kind of how you spend December, I want to encourage you to do a couple of things. Uh, several of you used to serve uh, here. Several of you used to be in small groups here. And some of you haven't taken that step yet to either serve or be in a group. But so many of you have told us like, hey, one day I want to do that. Like one day I'm going to get back involved in that way, or one day I want to be a part of one of those things. And if that's you, if you've kind of been hanging on to this like one day, like let's make January one day. Like let's look towards January. There are more and more people coming back to this building every single week, which means we need more and more volunteers every single week in all of our environments. And here's the thing. You will have the unique opportunity to create some great experiences for people all over this building, but also you will make some relational connections that I believe will be some of the most life-giving connections you have ever made. You can experience that both serving and you can experience that in small group. If you have not gotten into an adult small group, I would definitely make that a part of your January plans. I'm in a group. My wife and I are in one together. It is so fantastic. I never look forward to a day more than I look forward to Monday because I know I'm going to be surrounded by people who are like for me and who are pulling for me and who are encouraging me to be better at life, to do better, to love better. And I want that for every single one of you. I think it's so important to help you overcome that ache of isolation. Now, here's the thing. Joel said this a little bit, and I think this is so important. This is the last thing, and then we're, we're going to wrap up. We're going to send emails. Like as a church, we're going to make sure everybody's informed. We've created websites. We have QR codes. You're going to get handouts at some point. Like we're going to put social media posts up. Instagram's going to be full. Twitter's going to be full. Like we'll have stuff on Facebook. Like we're going to do all the things that we can do to make sure people know. 
Here's the thing. None of that replaces a personal invite. None of that replaces a personal connection with somebody that you know, somebody that you care about, somebody that you love, somebody that that loves you, somebody that you normally would sit around. In fact, I I want you to look around for a second. Like this, this room at one point was filled to, to capacity with people. There's somebody that used to sit next to you. And you don't know where they are. You, you don't know if they've connected somewhere else. You don't know if they're alone. You don't know how they're doing. You have no idea what's going on with their life. Somebody used to serve next to you. And you haven't seen them now for, for months, maybe even a year. You have no idea what's going on with their life. I want to encourage you to reach out I want to encourage you to reach out to them, share this website with them, share all of these opportunities with them. Say, hey, I will sit with you each and every week. I'll do whatever it takes, but I want you to reconnect. I want you to re-engage. I want to find out what's going on in your life because I don't want you to do life alone. I don't want you to be isolated because none of us were created for that. Listen to how this story ends that Joel started out of, out of the gospel of Mark. He, he shared with us that the, the man went, the man that was healed, that Jesus healed. The man went and he spread the word proclaiming to everyone what had happened. He'd simply shared with others what had happened to him. And as a result, Mark tells us, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus. And he could no longer publicly enter a town anywhere. He literally had to stay out in the secluded places. But people from everywhere, kept finding him. People from everywhere kept coming to him. People from everywhere wanted to be around him. What if we took that part of this story seriously? What if every single one of us said, hey, there's somebody I know who needs an invitation. There's somebody I know who needs to be reminded that they belong here, that we created this place for them. That their heavenly father loves them more than they could possibly imagine and they don't have to go through life alone. And if they are alone, the good news is that's where Jesus is, that Jesus hides out in the secluded places to meet us right where we are, but not to leave us where we are. His invitation is that life would be better for us and that we would be better at life and that we don't have to go through life alone. His invitation is that I want to build something into your life. I want to build a faith into your life, a foundation into your life. I want to build things like love and hope and joy and gentleness and kindness and peace and and goodness. I want to build those things into your life. And our hope is that every single person in this city, every single person in this community would have the opportunity to experience that. You and I have no idea what hangs in the balance of a simple phone call. A simple email, a simple text, a simple invitation to say, hey, I sure would love to see you. I miss you. I hope everything's all right with you. Is there any way that I can help you re-engage, reconnect, and regather? Just a moment. The band's going to come. They're going to sing one last song, and I would love for us to all stand and sing this song together. It should be a fairly familiar song to any of you who consider this church your home, but it's just this reminder that Jesus wants to build our life on him and hopefully build our life in such a way that it will never, ever be broken and never, ever fall apart. Before we sing, I'd love to pray for us. Let's pray together. Father, God, it's been an interesting, interesting journey. 
It's easy to say on this side of the journey that we trust you, but if we were all being honest in the midst of the journey, it's been difficult. It's been hard to understand what you're doing, why you're doing it, why we're walking through it. But God, we really do believe that you're up to something, up to something bigger than us, up to something better than us. We believe that you're building things into us that we could never, ever have imagined we needed. God, we believe that you're up to changing lives still. We believe that there's people all over this city who need to understand how loved they are by you, that they belong no matter what, no matter what their story is, no matter how far they've gone, that they have a home here, they have a home with you. And so God, our prayer during this holiday season is that people would reconnect with you in some incredible, incredible ways. And we pray it all in Jesus' name, amen.